those emotions are very tough to deal with. And I think it's really important, anyone that's in a situation where there's job loss, to realize that it isn't about who I am, who you are as a person. You have all the values, all the qualities, all the skills that you use to get that job, and they will benefit the person in the next job. Welcome to the Hero Circumstance Podcast. I am Dawn, your host, and I am going to be interviewing wonderful guests from the video games industry and the tech industry about their experience with layoff, whether they are going through it right now or they have been impacted with layoff in the past. And the reason for this is because there's so many layoffs going on right now. I wanted to have a voice and I know other people want to have a voice. I just thought that hearing other people talking about it might be uplifting, it might be comforting, it might be supportive to anybody that's going through it right now and is feeling that they're on their own. So quite honestly, that's why I'm doing the podcast. That's why my guests are doing the podcast. It's something that's always been in the video games and tech industry. Every now and again, we get laid off. Yet right now, it's just happening at an extreme high and it's never been a focal point for conversation. It's something that you brush under the carpet and you get your next job and you just move on. So here is a podcast that's about honest and open conversation about layoff. And the reason it's called Hero of Circumstance is because I've turned circumstances into my advantage. I know that they're a growth opportunity for my highest good. And I know if you're going through something like this right now, there is plenty of growth in this for you. And I know that you can turn this around to your advantage and be a hero of circumstance. My guest today, Rachel D. Paula, is a fellow industry veteran with more than 25 years of experience. Rachel is very accomplished and has led the publishing and development of over 75 video games across multiple platforms and genres. I can tell you that each video game I've worked on has been a memorable experience that has brought many people together in a creatively intense way. So Rachel is really up there in her video games industry experience on over 75 video games at big companies such as Disney, Jam City, 2K and Zynga, among others. Rachel is the Chief of Staff and Senior Director of Transformation at Big Fish Games, which means Rachel is the right hand to the Big Fish President and Executive Team, leading the implementation of critical company initiatives across teams. Rachel is a strategist, a consultant, and an implementer, identifying opportunities for improvement and executing streamlined processes across the organization based on the priorities of the business. Rachel acts as a change agent who converts initiatives into action and assists with the daily operations of the organization. She also oversees the Big Fish Project Management Organization, procurement, and technical documentation departments. She is co-lead of the Big Fish Games Women in Games Employee Impact Group, a very active group across the Big Fish organization, as well as their parent company, Aristocrat. Rachel is a big fish in the ocean of the video games industry. Rachel is also passionate about mentorship of people at Big Fish, as well as junior professionals in our industry. 
And last but not least, Rachel is a hero of circumstance and has experience and thoughts to share with us to support those who are impacted by layoff at the moment. So without further ado, welcome, Rachel. Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. It's really great to be here. Okay, so Rachel, you haven't always been a big fish in the video games industry. So... Please tell us how you originally got into video games. Oh, boy. How did I get into video games? So I was working in the music industry, which is a whole other story. Left that to start a company with my now husband called Macenstein, and we did Macintosh consulting and sales in the 80s when there were no Mac consultants at corporations or Apple stores you could go into and get help. We sold that company and I was at a point where I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I was ready for a reset and I really wanted to work in some kind of children's media. My daughter was a baby and I was very passionate about children's media and I wanted to either work in book publishing or this newfangled thing called multimedia, CD-ROMs. And so someone who had worked for me at our company, the Mackenstein was at Disney Interactive, and I managed to wrangle my way in there as a liaison between production and technology, and then ended up managing customer support for a year and went into production. And I was so happy to be a part of this. This was in the late 90s, well, mid to late 90s. Everyone in video games, at least at Disney at the time, was from theater, film, or television. There was no video game industry. <laughs> you couldn't come from video games. So it was so creative. We were inventing as we went. Technology was new. It was very exciting. And, and that's how I got into it. And I've been in it ever since. That was about 25 years ago. I love that. And yeah. I hope, Mackenstein, do you have a copyright on that or a patent on that? Because that's the best name I've ever heard for a business. <laughs> It's so fantastic. I don't know if we ever actually did that, but I will send you a copy of the logo because it's an old Mac SE with Frankenstein's face in it and this sort of machine body. It's so fantastic. So yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. And I love what you're saying there as well about the industry being so new at that time that nobody was from the video games industry. It actually reminds me a little bit of how blockchain was to begin with because it was so new everybody was coming from somewhere else so yeah that really hit a note there so Rachel you have accomplished a lot in your career you've stayed in the industry for over 25 years which is challenging as I know as a fellow veteran and you've also risen the ranks as you said you were in video games production there starting in customer service so you've got into a really high rank, I would call it, in the video games industry. And what I find interesting is that part of your success is due to moments you've had along the way with layoff. So could you tell us a little bit more about how this has shaped your career as an executive? Sure. That a career is a journey. And I know it's a cliche metaphor, but it's so true. It's not like what I would say the old days, maybe my parents, where you would 
graduate from college, get a job, and pretty much stay in that job for your life, or maybe two jobs, right? Retire from there, have a pension. That's really not a model that's followed very much or very closely today. And in a video game industry where this is an industry that's constantly changing in so many ways, right? Businesses are growing and shrinking. Technology is changing. Even the approach and the way we go about doing production, huge shift from waterfall to scrum and agile. That was a very big shift in the video game industry. So all these changes mean that some of those changes are jobs are lost. I've been laid off. I've been fired. I would say your question being like, how has it helped to shape me? One is I think there are times that I've been in a job that maybe I wasn't super happy, but I wasn't about to leave because it was a good job or liked the people. But when you get put into a situation where it's now you've been laid off, it offered me the opportunity to find something new. And for instance, I was laid off from Jam City before I came to Big Fish almost five years ago. I was very unhappy to to be part of that layoff. There were quite a few of us. But I wouldn't have gone to look for a job at Big Fish if I was still there. And I'm in a fantastic company. I'm very happy. And so I think in retrospect, it allowed me to take different paths that I might not have chosen had I not been forced into it. Yeah. So you said a a number of interesting things there. As you said, your career is a journey. And the times have changed a little bit from when our parents had careers and stayed in the same job. I know the layoff is quite prevalent right now. Certainly it has been this year, but it also seems that it's just a, a regular part of having a career in the video games industry that every few years you may go through a shakeup. It's really true. I've not worked at a company, I don't think, where that wasn't the case. There might be longer periods in between, but it is a part of how the business survives. Because the business, look, video games, as popular as it is, it's a very tough business, right? You cannot really anticipate 100% what's going to be successful. We, we take all of our expertise, the years and years of business expertise and creative expertise, and we create games that we believe will be successful. But the truth is, you don't know. And so business can go through changes. COVID was a, an extreme case of a big change, which actually surprised everyone and benefited the video game industry. But there are other economic changes that happen that you can't anticipate. And one of the ways the business grows and shrinks is through headcount. It's the most expensive part of running a business. And that is what basically occurs. Yeah. And with you being in the industry for over 25 years, that's such an accolade because to have survived through all these ebbs and flows, That's difficult because I know the quality bar is going up every year. So to stay in the industry, you've got to be better every year. You've got to grow. I agree. And thank you very much. I think it comes from just loving what I do and finding my niche, which is really, as you had mentioned during my intro, went from production into more operational. It's really what I loved about production was process. I love looking at process, improving it, working with my teams and people, mentoring and coaching. And so I was able to, having been in this this sort of job or this industry, a career for so long, able to shift from production 
into really operations with chief of staff and transformation and really helping the process of making games rather than literally working on the games. Wonderful. So something else that you hit on that I'd like to ask you a little bit more about is you said about not being super happy when you evaluated after you'd been laid off that you weren't super happy. The reason it struck out to me is because I know when I've been in those situations, quite often there there are a lot of variables at play with the business. So obviously this wouldn't have come about if those variables weren't at play with business, having to make a reduction or whatever it is, financial issues. However, you're right, because if, if you truly take stock of were you thriving, were you super happy, were you just ecstatic in that environment, was it your best job? The chances are that you may have started in that place at that company, but by the time the layoff comes around, it it quite often is time for you to change and it just gives you that push to do it. I agree. I think definitely there's a range, right? So sometimes certainly you're in a place where you're totally shocked and you're happy. But I agree with you. I'm thinking in particular of one, I, th- I think I won't say where I was, um, but where you're right, the business was not, it wasn't really, it wasn't moving forward in a way that was super beneficial, right? It obviously, because a reduction was needed, some decisions were made, some games weren't as successful, but that was indicative of the culture. So I wasn't unhappy because of those things, but culturally what was going on I wasn't as engaged as I like to be at a company, right? I wasn't getting the satisfaction that I require, desire, need. I think what I was thinking at the time was I'm going to hang in here and I'm going to keep trying for me and for my team, right? But there was a disconnect going on. And so there was a sense of relief, honestly, in that particular situation. I was grieving. I was worried. I was sad, but also relieved to not be there anymore, Yeah. And I resonate with what you're saying there on the sense of relief. Like you said, it wasn't that you were so unhappy, but you just weren't as engaged. And that whole hanging in there thing, I've definitely been there myself because I want to make it work. I'm not just going to throw in the towel. I'm like, I got this. I can show up for the people. I can do this. And then it comes around and you're like, oh, you know what? (laughs) It's time for a change. So Going a little bit deeper, because you did mention some emotions there um, around that when it does happen, maybe you do feel some relief, but there are some other strong emotions going on as well. Could you tell me one of those layoff circumstances? What are some of the emotions that you had and, and how you felt and how you dealt with it? Yeah, absolutely. I would say when I was laid off from Disney years and years ago, and I did end up returning to Disney a few years after that, but that was my first time I was laid off. And I was in a place where I was happy in my job. I was surprised. And not only was I grieving, but I felt honestly like I had failed. Even though I knew it was a business decision intellectually, I was told it was a business decision. Many other people were laid off at the same time. I really felt like I had failed. And honestly, I felt ashamed of that. I'm a driver, I'm ambitious, I like being successful, and that did not feel good. It just didn't feel like success. And 
at the time, although my colleagues, friends, family, everyone I knew were saying the right things, which is, it's not personal, you're going to be fine. It really felt awful. And I made the decision, though, at that time to allow myself, I think I allowed myself two weeks to just be bummed out (laughs) and feel sorry for myself and grieve and cry and not look for a job. And I really just let myself delve into my emotions. But I did just put a deadline on it. And what that allowed me to do is just go for it and really feel it. And then I really did push myself after that two weeks to just, I started job hunting. And I got a job pretty quickly after that. But I think allowing myself that time to grieve and process, I allowed myself to process and really come out of that period saying, this wasn't about me. I didn't fail. I have lots of skills. I got a great reference from Disney. (laughs) And I ended up in a really awesome job. I went to THQ, which was a top five publisher at the time. They're not in business anymore. I met amazing people that I'm still friends with. And I learned a lot. So it turned out in the long run to be a good thing, but it was very hard. Those emotions are very tough to deal with. And I think it's really important anyone that's in a situation where there's job loss to realize that it's, it isn't about who I am, who you are as a person. You have all the values, all the qualities, all the skills that you use to get that job, and they will benefit the person in the next job. Yeah, some tough emotions, as you said, and I definitely resonate with that feeling of failure. What could I have done differently? And it does take time to process it. Being honest, I've been through it and it pops up in your dreams. Like it might take a little bit of a while before that moves its way out of your dreams, that feeling of frustration going on in your dreams. But I love that you took the two weeks to feel bummed out. And I had something similar myself where I took that two weeks It wasn't so much for me to feel bummed out, it was more for me to live my best life in California, paddleboarding and hiking and doing all the things I wasn't doing while I was working. But I will tell you that that just didn't go over with my dad. His generation, he just couldn't understand that I needed to do that to be in the best place strategically to look for a job after the two weeks. He just couldn't understand why I wouldn't be looking for a job the second after I lost my dog. Right away. Yeah. 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 And that's just probably generational. uh, And it is a very different way of looking at things, whether you're going to take the two weeks to crawl in a hole or go have fun. I think it's so healthy to take that time consciously, but yeah, you can see coming from another viewpoint or era, you're wasting time. Not that I see it that way, yeah. But not even generational, there's strength in what you did because you're going to react to the circumstances because you're in a place of fear, right? Fear of the unknown because things in front of you are uncertain. So I think a lot of people would find it hard to just take a pause for two weeks and come back with a fresh mindset on how you're going to take things forward. Don, I think it goes back to where we started, which is talking about your career as a journey, because the reason you could take time to go paddleboarding or I could take time to just process and grieve is because I'm looking at this career as my life and I know I will find a job. And that's not ego. That's just, it's a numbers game. You apply, you talk, you network. Eventually, 
you will find a job. And I feel really confident about that. And it allows me the time when I need a break in between. And sometimes it takes longer than I want it to, believe me. I've had very long periods where I got scared, I had fear, and then I kept coming back to, I know I'm going to find a job, and I just kept trying. And here I'm looking back. Eventually, I've always gotten a job. So I think it's it's looking at really that understanding the journey. It's a long journey, and to just keep at it. You really do have to keep trying and trying. And it can be very discouraging, very discouraging. I've been there, and I just wake up again the next morning and start again. Yeah. And you just said there about the waking up the next morning and starting again. I think that's just really good to put you in that um, place for mindset resilience, right? Starting your day the way that you intend to continue your day, just starting your day in gratitude, because it can be so hard when you're going through something like this to think about it. First thing you wake up is what you don't have, your job, your circumstance, how difficult things are. Whereas starting that day with what you're grateful for, what you're happy for, what's around you, then that can put you in a better place to handle some of these emotions throughout the day. I totally agree. And actually, what you just said brought up for me, one of the very long periods I had was probably, I think it was a good six months, where was the longest time where I was in between jobs. And it was very challenging. It was challenging financially, emotionally. But routine was, I think, what really saved me. So my routine of getting up in the morning, even though I didn't have to, (laughs) setting an alarm, getting up, having my coffee. For me, the morning looks like meditation, some reading, some time to reflect and journal. That's my morning, but some kind of routine in the morning. And then taking a walk. Every day I walked. And that in nature. And so for me, that grounded me so that I could get back on LinkedIn, make those phone calls, go to a networking event that I wasn't sure was going to benefit me or where I was going to make any connections, but you never know. So I would just get out there. I would just have lunch with people. Not that they were someone that had a job for me, but you just don't know who's going to know someone who knows someone. And actually it can even benefit you years later. You just have to make those connections. But the routine part of it was very important and kept me sane, grounded and positive. Yeah. And I love that your routine has kept you grounded. And what you're hitting there with the the whole repetition of it, it's like going to the gym and working a muscle, Mm -hmm. right? Just taking that time out for yourself every morning before you react to what other people are bringing at you or notifications and emails and things like that. Doing that every morning is like a workout and it builds that resilience for you to be able to handle your situation better. Now, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect for the rest of the day. There are going to be dips, but you're going to be in a better place to handle it. It reminds me of someone once told me, this is like a muscle. It's If you're going to run a marathon, you don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to run a marathon today. That you run, you train, you build your muscles so that when the marathon comes, you're ready. It's like that. Like you said, that routine, whatever it is, each person is individual. You're strengthening that muscle. For me, it was an emotional, spiritual muscle, right? It's it's so that I'm ready, one, for whatever I need to do that day, for if there are rejections I need to deal with, or if I need to go to an interview and be engaged. So that makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. And something else you mentioned there was that your career is your life. And what I loved about that is these circumstances come up and not it's not about the money necessarily, because if it was about the money, it was purely about the money, you would get into that creative mindset to just figure something out about the money to bridge you. Whereas quite often when these things come along, it's about your career. It's about getting the next opportunity that suits you better than the one that you already had. And that's why sometimes, like you said, it can take six months, right? Because if it was just about the money, it wouldn't necessarily take you six months. You're right, because you could get a job doing something, right? Because yes, if it was just about the money. And the and of course, finances are very important. But really the reason that that I get up in the morning and am excited about work is that I feel I'm of value. I'm having an impact both on the business and on the people that I work with. And that's what motivates me. And sure, having a salary certainly helps. (laughs) And that's very important. And I'm not downplaying that. But really, it's what I'm spending a lot of hours a week doing this thing. And am I helping? Am I of service in some way to my company and to the people I work with? And if I can say yes, then yeah, that's when I'm engaged and I feel good. You've already been of value to me because I will say that the first time that we interacted before this podcast was even a concept, I was a little bit nervous coming into the interaction because you've had such an impressive career and you're an executive. And then learning, oh, wow, we got laid off from the same company. All of a sudden, I just felt like I had this rapport with you and you've been very easygoing and nice to talk with, Rachel. I think it's good to understand that with somebody in your position because quite often when you're interviewing for a job, the chances are that person has been laid off and is going through what you're going through. Absolutely. And thanks for that. I also felt an immediate rapport with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all, I can't imagine being in the video game industry and not having at least been laid off or close to it or have knowing someone very close to you that has because it's, it is so common and or having had to be someone who has implemented or had to lay someone off, which is also not fun and happens a lot, right? I've been in that position as well. And the best we can do is put people first, always just put people first. Yeah. And on that note, obviously, because you've had your personal experience with being impacted, how have you gone about strategically laying people off and putting them first? I think it's every decision that gets made around any kind of event that is constantly the filter that is asked. And it's always, how are we putting the people first? What is the impact on the people? How are the people feeling? And so it allows you to really make decisions around the execution or implementation of any kind of event in a way that considers that. And honestly, a couple of times where I've been laid off, it was just horrible. There was one time we were all called into a big warehouse to a giant meeting. And then a bunch of you are going to get laid off. Go sit by your desks and wait by the phone. This was a time when we had phones. And it was like, really? That's so we all had to go sit at our desks. And I left. I said, I'm going home. If you want to lay me off, you can call me at home. I'm not sitting here. 
Which, well, I didn't, oh, I didn't get laid off that time. That was a layoff, but I wasn't actually part of it. But it was just horrible. How horrible, what a horrible thing to do. So how can you have a conversation with a person who's going to get some news that's bad and be as respectful and honoring of their experience as possible? Rachel, I really admire that you walked out in that circumstance. It absolutely sounds awful. It sounds like something I'd see on some kind of horrible film, <laughs> like a thriller or something like that. It really does, like with human emotion. But yeah, I love that you put in people first in how you've handled layoffs in the past. So what would you say has been your most defining moment as a hero of circumstance? I would say that that one particular one was pretty good. But I would say, I think probably it goes back to that first experience at Disney when I allowed myself my emotions and then I came back from that totally healthy. And that helped shape how I reacted any other time that happened to me where I realized that I needed to take some time for whatever it was, that I would be okay, and that I came back stronger. So I think it started with that. That sounds great. And yeah, allowing the emotions is really important because if you just brush past them, they're going to come up in other ways. And at some point you're going to join another team and you don't want to be carrying that with you, right? You don't want that holding you back from your best performance with your new team. Exactly. And I think one of the lessons I learned from a supervisor a couple of years ago at Big Fish was assume everyone has good intentions. And it was such great advice because even in a situation where you're a part of a layoff or something at work is not comfortable, assume that the intentions are good, that people are not malicious, people aren't at work trying to hurt you, that it's hard for them as well. And I think in the long run, that allows you to release those negative emotions you're talking about so we don't carry them with us. And what we bring to our new job is positivity, a good attitude, and open mind curiosity. Yeah, and curiosity being key there, especially I love the assume everybody has good intentions, not just with layoff, but just workplace interactions in general, because it's very easy to get caught up in your head. Your mind's going to want to protect you and tell you stories to keep yourself safe and everybody's out to get you and you didn't do anything wrong. But in any case, it's good to just keep that in mind that everybody has good intentions and to have that curiosity if that behavior doesn't gel with what you expect, have the curiosity as to if it was coming from a good intention, what could that be? Absolutely. And this was a situation where there was someone at a sister company who I did not like the way this person was approaching something. And it, it, it was very good advice. It allowed me to think about where is he coming from? He's probably not really just trying to make me wrong. And he's trying to get the best quality he can. And in the long run, assuming your colleagues or whoever you're dealing with have good intentions and being curious really results in a better product because then everybody is respecting each other, trying to get the best quality. And then the players or the users are the ones who benefit because they're going to see the best product. And that's really our ultimate goal. 
Great. So Rachel, I'm interested about the Big Fish Games, Women in Games, Employee Impact Group, and how this is supporting women in games at Big Fish or otherwise. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. We formed about two years ago, and we set up our goals and very specific KPIs of what we wanted to accomplish. We wanted to focus on volunteering regarding supporting girls and women in STEM. And to that end, we formed a partnership with Girls Who Code. We were corporate sponsors last year. And we participated in a couple of different events with them. One of the biggest ones being, they call it Computer Science Education Week, where we were able to mentor girls who code in their projects. We've met with them to review their resumes. We've talked to them about about how we got started in video games and how this might be an option for them. So really satisfying, wonderful volunteer opportunity with Girls Who Code. We also have hosted some sessions across the company, across Aristocrat with our Ready to Rise program, which is an aristocrat program for women where we do various trainings, we meet with cohorts. So Women in Games at Big Fish has hosted a couple of different events and recently did a wellness event, talked about how to bring wellness into our lives using a wellness wheel. We meet regularly to really network with each other, coach each other on our careers. And there's a bunch of other events that we've been involved with across the company. And it's just a place to connect and talk about what it's like to be a woman in tech in games and help each other. And we have allies. We have men and women in the group, by the way. And that's really wonderful as well that we have allies in the group because it really spreads the word, the education and how we can impact each other. Yeah, a focus on girls who code and basically bringing new girls into the industry so they can rise up to your level. Because as we know, (laughs) starting in the industry, there weren't so many girls, especially in production. I know today has changed a little bit, but yeah, it's all about bringing new people into the industry and growing them up in the industry. So that's great that you're doing that and that you're supporting each other as women at Big Fish. Mm -hmm. It's very Um, satisfying. All right, Rachel, one last golden nugget. If you could say anything to anyone that's going through layoff right now, what would it be? Take the opportunity to spend time with yourself, heightening your self-awareness, nurturing yourself, taking a look at where you are in your career. You could be very early in your career might be your first job. You could be well into your career like I've been. And really think about what you want to do next. Maybe you want to shift. Maybe you're a producer and you'd rather be an art director. Maybe it's a time to look at a whole different industry, but it's a time of reflection. And take the time to reflect. It's a gift. And visualize what it is you want to do next. And here's a time and an opportunity to do that. LinkedIn is an amazing tool. Right now, I could go look at Dawn's LinkedIn and say, oh my gosh, someone that's in a company that I want to work at, can you please set up a coffee for me? 
it's amazing that we have this. So network, meet people, connect, get out there, and just really reflect on what you want to do next. Because I don't mean to sound Pollyanna. I know it sounds very positive, but you heard what I said earlier. There are emotions. Process the emotions, but take the opportunity to reflect and create your new future for yourself. Those are great words, Rachel. Really great words. The gift of reflection, it is a gift and you don't often get it. So I love what you're saying about taking it as a gift and really visualizing where you want to go next. And I also loved what you said there about meeting somebody in person for coffee and using that as an approach on LinkedIn as opposed to just reaching out cold or doing the whole online communication. I think that's a really nice touch just to get in touch with somebody you don't know through somebody else and set up a coffee meet. Absolutely. I've done it many times. All right. I really appreciate your time so much today, Rachel. I know you're a busy executive. This is the end of your work day and you've had some great pearls of wisdom here to share for our listeners. So I really appreciate all of this. Thanks, Don. It was really a pleasure. It was great to talk to you. I really appreciate the time. And now for the science part of this podcast, if you would like to continue listening, I'm calling it the science part of the podcast because it's about using your body as it has been designed, just the same way you would use any technology system as it has been designed to get the most out of it. Today, we're going to look at a breathing technique that can be used to relax you. It's a box breathing technique where you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and release for eight seconds. So we're gonna go through this four times. So wherever you're sat right now or stood right now, if you're in a position to be able to just relax, I understand this wouldn't necessarily be applicable to those driving right now, but if you're in a situation where you can just pause for a moment and relax, I'd invite you to rest your eyes gently and breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. And out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And one more time. In, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. And out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I am hoping that you are feeling wonderfully relaxed right now. And what I really love about this technique is you can do it at any time during the day. If you're feeling stressed about something, overwhelmed, annoyed, worried, you can just quickly do this breathing technique and you will quickly get into a really nice relaxed state of mind and because you've been focusing on your breathing, you are back in this present moment 
instead of worrying about whatever it was that was in your head. I hope this has been helpful and I would like to wish you joyful and prosperous blessings. Thank you for listening on the podcast today. If anyone listening has a question that they would like covered on this podcast, or if you would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email me at dawn at marjoriedawncoaching.com or check out my website for more detail.